Welcome to episode 28 of It's Server Time. We have a very special guest today. It is Snappy, the in-game leader of Ents. And I am so bored of recaps. I'm so done with recaps. We're going to talk the meta. We're going to talk about the meta of Pro CS right now. We're going to get Snappy's opinions on it. And so let's just let's just kick it off. Let's just start already. Let's just God, God damn it. Let's go. OK, it's been five months since grenades have been droppable. Snappy, how do you think this has affected the meta? It definitely has uh, affected the meta. Um, I would say that especially on maps like Inferno, we don't play it. <laughs> but uh, uh, also like counting nades is kind of like just can't do it anymore. Like on overpass, usually the seats will have four smokes for monster, whereas before they would have three, or you would at least see one of them coming from A. Um, so it definitely has affected uh, quite a bit uh, the grenade dropping. Um, I would say the silencer has definitely affected way more, but uh, the we'll grenade get into the dropping silencer. has. We'll, okay, we'll do the okay. silencer too. We'll do the now silencer. it obviously has uh, created uh, some tactical things you can do, but I also think it has. I don't really think it's necessarily a great update because it also makes the game harder to read in a way that is random. Mm. It's random sometimes. You you don't you just don't know if there's free you like you can't rely on com communicating. Oh, to use three smokes here, to use four smokes here. Like we should be able to do this now. Like now it's a bit more. You're you're guessing kind of, uh, or you're like you have to kind of look into. To the counter, like, do they drop nades for this guy? What, like, how do they do these things, right? So, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's it's different. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's terrible either. Okay, let's. let's I want to open it up to everybody else here, of course. And uh, what have you guys thought from? Has it has it changed your guys' experiences as as spectators? And I guess this would go more to Node and Pernogo. I mean, mix mix. I'll get to you also. But for for Node and Pernogo, when you guys are watching games, does it feel like? The, the grenade dropping has a significant impact on how, I guess, the story of the game is told or anything? Not particularly, I'd say. I think there's obviously occasions where the commentators will call out stuff like there's nades dropped in CT for them to stack cat on Dust 2, or there's teams dropping smokes and mollies on Inferno as they rotate. Um, but in terms of just watching regular matches, I don't think it's changed too much. Um, Usually, if there's anything major, it'll get called out by the commentators now, especially, which is good for the re like regular casual viewer, I guess. Um, for me, I guess, obviously, playing the game, I can see that it's had an impact on a lot of things. Like, counting nades, like Snappy was saying, is a lot harder than it used to be, uh, and you basically can't really do it anymore. But in, based on everyone's initial reaction when the update first came out, I definitely think that it was a bit of an exaggeration in terms of how large of an impact it would have on the game. Um, it's obviously changed stuff that we used to be able to do, but it's not uh, breaking the game necessarily like uh, people thought it initially would, for sure. Yeah, it's it's not one of those things that massively changed it to the point where it's a completely different game. But I'll say bearing in mind that you already have this disconnect as like CSGO has intuitive aspects to it. Just if you've never played it before and you're just turning it on. And again, we're not necessarily supposed to balance the game around people who've never played it, obviously. But when you look at the esports like spectator point of view, um, you know, you, you left click on somebody's head, they die. That's pretty intuitive. The guns, they're grounded in the real world. It's not some weird stuff like in Valorant and it's not something completely different like in Overwatch. Like you kind of understand what the guns do. However, one thing that's definitely different is, I mean, 
the smoke lineups or the nade lineups in general, you don't really know why somebody goes to this spot and aims at this pixel and then like jumps at the right angle. And you know, that gets so in the weeds for the average person who's maybe not familiar or hasn't played nearly close to this high level or at all even. And so I think that probably holds the game back a little bit from a spectator side because you do need somebody to explain maybe a beginner's, a different stream entirely. This is something that in League of Legends they had at the World Championship where for the World Finals, I think, they had like a dedicated beginner friendly hey you've never seen league before we're going to explain everything because they did that for dota as well okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so i feel like maybe maybe csgo could benefit from that if it wants to start expanding its audience because you do need to explain why this is so important because every game has t sides going into certain areas and throwing nades in that in that sense i think it 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 didn't really change anything in the sense that people still do that but now you have another layer of things that it's it might be intuitive once you start to build an understanding of the mechanics but you don't really understand it initially and that needs to be explained um um, one thing that I thought was nice about this IEM Katowice tournament that just went on is that they actually had it on the HUD. They had drop nades yes. with the colors yep. of the team. So you'd yep. see a blue nade for CT. That was really useful because, I mean, at first I had to really look closely because I thought it was like a dead player or something. But when you figure yeah. out what those symbols are, if we can get it to be even more clear visually, then that way we can start to tell people, oh, you start to see this trend of like people storing them in, you know, beast side over. pile of nades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was really nice. So I think, as you you said earlier, we're only five months into this. It's still kind of early days. The tournaments are going to get better tools to spectate this and tell, you know, work these into storylines or just general commentary. People are going to get better at it. Um, to, to note's point, obviously when the initial reaction happened, people were like, oh, you can just one man fake A on Mirage, everybody pops up B. However, obviously you have the delay in nade throwing for one person to do it. And you can kind of map that out. I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen teams try this. Where I, I wanted to ask Mix about this, yeah. about this part, ahead. actually. We'll, we'll yeah, like, ahead. yeah, yeah, Mix, Mix, like, okay, so for like T-side fakes and stuff, have you been, have you been noticing too much or anything? Like, I, I guess Snappy chime in too, if you, if you want on this one, but... It, it kind of feels like the the T side element of this hasn't been like as recognized maybe as it could. Do you think there's more potential for this mix? Um, yeah, like I thought it would almost change more than it did. Um, at least at least at the moment. So like, say on like on Dust Two, there's before I could easily tell when someone's going to like flash or is like faking a flash because like typically in like a Dust Two T side default. Whoever's like the long guy will just go over and like flash a couple times at like usually at the start of every round, maybe it's like mm-hmm. a little fake. And so I've seen some teams try to like they'll give that guy like three or four flashes instead, so he can like more like flesh out like kind of fake. But like you said, like it doesn't really work that well because if someone's doing that, I can typically kind of tell just by like the timing of like the flashes. Like I can tell my team that that I'll tell my team to look out for like these specific areas where someone might just be like stacking their own nades or something, um, so that you're not like getting you're not like biting on it too much. But I almost thought it would change it more than it has. Because like you said, on like Mirage, you can't just like throw a one-man fake because the timing doesn't work. Like it'll be super obvious that it's just one person throwing all the nades. Uh, but there I, are like... Good. I that? actually think you can do a lot of these things, to be honest. Like, And I have seen it when I watch demos. Like, Because um, what we do, for example, if we want to do a one-man fake, is we go on the server and we obviously have a theory server where we see how long the smoke is in the air before it blooms, right? And by doing that, you can pr- pretty much throw two or three smokes that land at the same time by just throwing them uh, on different lineups, but from the same place. But you throw one lower, so it hits the ground earlier, and then you throw one higher. And another team we've I've, we've seen doing this, and this was the most crazy example I've saw. We've seen of it, and that was like our coach who did like a counter on Navi on Nuke at Kerovice. And Then he showed a round where they went secret, and then first of first bit would blow up the door. 
would molly main. Then he would go on roof. He would molly default double flash. Then he would go down, pick up a smoke, do smoke for door. Then he would go again up, molly top hot flash. Then he would get a new smoke, smoke main. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh and at the same time, they had the G2, like a uh, free smoke from main to secret. And they would be four guys down secret while they had left two smokes free mollies and flashes for bit and he would just do all these crazy distractions and the whole time they were just four secret so it has been used in pro play and i think it's being used a lot more than what people think the difference is it's just one person usually throwing two grenade sets so it could be jungle plus mm -hmm. stairs uh, mm -hmm. jungle plus uh, top con and then you just throw it so that one is six and a half second and the other is eight seconds and then they land at the same time but that is the main way it's used. Um, this was the, the other one was an extreme example. That's not normal. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, right. but it can, but also because it can get so confusing if you start doing this and smokes are rolling, so suddenly you can't find the smoke. So it's obviously oh, yeah. not that easy to always do these things. But um, it is used, but obviously not game breaking. Yeah, yeah I'd say like. Okay, it didn't ahead. like well, change the game completely like I thought it might. Like for like 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 a smaller example that I would use like maybe on like one of my teams, right? It's like typically on Inferno Banana, like you throw like the smoke and then like one Molly, and then usually like the second person maybe like a few seconds later would throw like the close Molly or like you know they would throw the other Molly, and in that case you could do something where you know that the other B player has like two Molly so he can like fake by himself and then maybe you're playing like a four mid setup or something, right? And then that's like kind of like a smaller way you can like use that to your advantage. Um, and then like like you said like with like the like the throwing all the nades that like cut like towards a like while they're down secret that's like another really smart way of like using it and it's also really difficult because you probably could like go back between a demo and look at like the difference between a normal like navi upper execute and when like bit is like just like faking it by himself right and you'd be able to like most likely tell a difference and you could like kind of like spot that like, has, in Sammy, has it has it happened to you guys in a match before where you where you were like okay we know it's a single guy throwing all these these yeah. fake nades yeah, have you yeah made the I mean, read? especially not not so much now because people have gotten better at using it, so it's more hidden. But at the start, just when it came out, there was just stupid examples of it, um, like where you smoke, like this Mirage example where they fucking throw six flashes over or something. Just like yeah. you know, it's a fake. I, I'm just standing on B, like yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can just hear the flashes popping one by one on A and you like you just know that it's a weak fake, right? But now it's a lot harder to tell because people have gotten better at, you know, hiding uh, how many they are. Um and again, like as as I said, like there was this nuke example, but also another nuke example is you see a lot of teams now where it's just one player throwing the smoke walls. He just has two or three smokes laying around and you just throw one mm -hmm. of the three different smoke walls uh it just picks up the smoke symbol does that and perfect also does that in navi for example both of them uh do smoke walls but single-handedly instead okay let's let's talk about it in respect to the top teams in the world do you do you think like this is open for everybody that the best teams in the world so i'm i am talking pretty much the playoff teams at katowice uh g2 phase navi etc heroic do do you think these teams are on top of this meta or are there teams like snappy maybe ones you're playing against or anybody seen that are using these nades to a better effect than what the best teams are doing i think navi was the best example like we saw mm. but that was on a map like nuke like i didn't see it in all other maps like i think uh, everyone is kind of 
like maybe I didn't see anyone stand out, but with Navi I saw it particularly on Nuke where they used it a lot, right? You think it's fair to say that Alexi B was I mean, I think we all kind of saw that early that early incident where on Dust Two they threw all the nades for him. He got a thousand nade damage. Yeah. Is he still on top of that meta for, for G two today? Or do you think other teams passed him up? I don't know. Like this nade thing was kinda done in prec also before mm-hmm. Alexi even did it, right? So it was not like it was anything major as a pro player when you saw like obviously the one thousand damage was impressive regardless, yeah. right? But you knew that you would stack nades. You also knew that people drop nades and spawn now. So the A retakes, they would just keep nading the bomb. And if you boosted a guy, it, like it was common even before, uh, even though it had only been out for like a couple of weeks, maybe. Um, but no, like I think from what I've seen, most teams are on the same level. You can also kind of make it too complicated at times and then you just confuse yourself. That is what we have tried a couple of times where it just gets too complicated and suddenly the guy can't find the smoke that was dropped for him and just run around like a headless chicken 10 seconds like looking for smoke and at that point it's probably counterproductive so you have to also keep it simple enough that it can be executed, right? Okay. Okay. Anybody else? I'll just say that it feels like an obvious change that Valve could make that would improve the consistency of these if they want nades to be droppable in that sense. It's probably make it so that they don't roll around as easily, especially smokes, I think. Um, You know, I I don't know. Maybe there can be more spots where there's enough of an incline you can throw them in a basket. It kind of feels weird to hard code that into a map on that level where it's like literally these spots are your nade spots. But something like that would be better. I I recall there was an old nip strat on Inferno in alt mid where they would chuck stuff up on a a roof and they would boost somebody up there. And I think it was device was sometimes doing this where you'd have a whole B or a exec, you know, from that spot, Uh, you know, stuff like that is interesting and it's nice to see that, but I do feel like a lot of teams get sort of stuck in in a rut. And this goes beyond just the strategy or this element. It feels like a lot of teams just like, oh, this team's doing this. I'll do that. And I'm sure there's plenty of cases like Snappy was saying, they go into their theory server and they have their own ideas and they test some stuff out and then they bring some strats up. But it feels like, and maybe this is just me not looking closely enough, for Inferno, it's a big case where it's like a lot of, of teams are just, they always put the nades in the same general areas on CT side. And it always seems to work out in roughly the same way. It, you know, at some point it's about how you throw them, but for the most part, it's like, okay, as long as we have excess money, we can stash nades by B and we can maybe leave one person there. Sometimes the default is obviously two. Maybe you, you send three to start just so that they can do it. We've seen juggling nades before. It feels like mm-hmm. that's kind of the way the meta has developed in that sense. One, I, one thing I've always believed is that Inferno is kind of a whack map in that you need it live. You live and die by banana. And it's so like utility heavy on a good day before this change. It was really about like how much utility damage do you get? I I feel like this this change has exposed maps that have that sort of like rote design into it where essentially teams have solved the map, uh, the approach. We must do this and then that. And the other example is obviously like that overpass incendiary towards uh, playground where it's like you have to throw that on CT side um, because the opportunity cost of not throwing it is super high. There's not another spot you can throw that incendiary that would be, you know, giving you a better strategy Mm -hmm. elsewhere, right? A different approach. It feels very much like if you don't do this, you fall behind in some way and then there you there you are you're stuck. So I would like to see some changes to the maps as well uh, to help make this change more interestingly deployed because right now it does feel like it's kind of stale in that respect and we're only a couple months in. But that's my opinion. 
Mm, are we are we good on the nade topic? We good on actually actually one last final question then about about the nade stuff. Would you guys like to just see sticky drop nades? Like like Snappy said, it, it rolls around sometimes. W- what if the nade just stuck where you dropped it, so this kind of stuff wouldn't happen? Is that a good change or is that is that a bad? Yeah, I mean, I, good or bad? I feel like I feel like if they're gonna implement this like dropping change, you might as well just make it so they just stick. Like I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, the rolling thing just it just adds like an an unnecessary layer of like complicatedness to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That, yeah, that was. I'd still like to. I'd still like to see them get like blown by nades and whatnot. But being stuck to the ground would be good in terms of just or not rolling. If you could shoot, you you would still want to be able to shoot them two note or what? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. still shooting them and being able to nade them away would still be. Yeah, like, but maybe just do it so the smoke doesn't roll ten meters. Yeah. Yeah. Up, exactly. Uphill or something like that. Best <laughs> ones are the ones where you see them on Vertigo get dropped and spawn, and you just see during the freeze time them slowly roll off the map. Oh my god! <laughs> and all of the the T's tracking it as it slowly drifts off, and they're like, "God damn it!" If there's a timeout and then they throw the nade too early in the timeout, oh my god! Just just yeah, seeing three hundred dollars fly fall off the map. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's talk about another another meta change uh snappy already alluded to it the the a1s so my general question is has how has how has the a1s become too powerful because i'm just gonna say i think it's too powerful i think i think in some respect yeah. right now it's too strong uh what are your guys identifications for like why why is this the case why is the a1s breaking the game a little bit i mean first of all it shouldn't be the cheapest it m4 at this point like they, they should just swap the price point of the a1 and the a1s or the a4 and the a1s i mean there's no point in having it be 2900 when it's already clearly the the most impactful tt weapon mm-hmm. not to mention like the fire rate and the silencer combined with just the way that teams are playing with utility right now makes it far too easy for people to just spam non-stop through smokes into very common angles and it's just making it absolutely ct sided to the point that I think every single map is at least 55, 55, 45, if not 60, 40 CT sided, um, which is just, I, I don't find that as enjoyable to watch at this point either. I mean, the silencer is more OP than the AUG was, uh, and I don't even think that's oh, wow. a question at this point, because um, there's multiple factors. First of all, even before the M4A1S had more damage it, the M4A4 was the same close distance, but the thing is the decrease on the M4A1S was only was 1%, while it was 3% on the A1A4. So that meant that on maps like Train, you could kill a guy with 5 bullets from long distance, and the M4A4 would take 6 bullets. Now, mm-hmm. they changed it. There's still only 1% decrease on the, on the silencer, but they made it so that 4 bullets will kill, no matter the distance, pretty much. Not only that, the, the rate of fire is slow, so the recoil is super easy to control. Also, there's no tracers through smokes, which makes it impossible to spam back. And there is no weapon to counter it like there was an SG. So the M4A1S is way more overpowered than, than the AUG ever was, in my opinion. And no, that is no. why it's so broken. Now that you said it, I was gonna say like the A1S is literally more of a laser gun than even an AUG with a scope was. Like it's yeah, it's actually ridiculous. You have no... to hit, hit five bullets with that gun. Now you have to hit four because there's no recoil. Like that controlling an A1S is so easy. Like I I could still just hop back in and just just body spray people all day. Like it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way that it's it's just mega overpowered. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I would rather want an M4 than an AK. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, that's another thing that came up. Uh, if you, I don't know if you guys saw this thread on Reddit, but there was a thread going up during, the, I think it was the final Academies, where they were like, CTs, A1S is overpowered, also CTs. And it was like a screenshot of just four AKs and an op on the CT side because they had just salvaged that many. I feel like that's just because of that one. I mean, obviously, so, it's also mapped, uh, like uh, sure, position yeah. dependent. But if I'm playing Banana and Inferno CT, I much rather want a, a silence such as Spam Smokes because they can't spam me back. And that's the big difference. Yeah, well, yeah. they can. It just has to be lucky. That's the thing. It's yeah, but the thing is, they don't have any traces to go yeah, by, and the yeah. sound is like the silence is so, like it's so hard to hear in distance. So it's hard think, to even spray back due to the sound. I think Vertigo's fights have especially just like the ramp spams and stuff. Oh my dude, the A1S is just so gross there in comparison to the no, AK. It, the joke is that every map is now vert the old Vertigo where everything was a spam through that wooden wall before they swapped it out for the metal. Like that's the joke now yeah. is that everybody's spamming through smokes through stuff they can't see. And that's the thing is like, I know the players probably are tired of that or but have to think about it in a more objective sense. Like, oh, I have to find a way to be successful in this meta. But as a spectator, man, I am so out on watching like smoke fight after smoke fight. And I know that's, you know, maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I don't know. It just feels like, you know, the, the, it's exciting when it happens once in a blue moon. And now it's like, you know, everybody attempting on the CT side to spam through smokes because there's not really much punishment. And maybe the tracers have to come back for that gun. I don't know. Maybe that would be something that at the pro level, you'd see a big amount of change. Maybe at the, the matchmaking level, you probably wouldn't see too many people even notice that. That would probably help it. I don't know, man. That, that just seems like one of the obvious things to do. People have been talking about price updates as well. Um, I also think that Thor made a point on a show that I haven't released yet that uh, talks about the A1S basically camouflaging how bad the economy is for CTs because the A1S is really powerful and it's cheaper. I agree with that point, generally speaking. And I think that really what we want to see is instead of, again, camoing the the lack of economy, economic stability, you just have a reasonable economy, which I, again, that's a loaded term. I have no idea what exactly you would do to change it right now, but you do something to change the economy to be more, in a more healthy state. And then you don't have to worry about an OP gun on one side. Would you guys? Well, okay. Let's let's get down to what we think would be the the proper change for it right now. I feel like the the common. I, I think one of the most common ideas is to just make to switch the price of the A4 and A1S. But do you guys think that is the enough anymore? Not enough. That's Not the enough. problem. Like okay. it's it's one change, but there has to be something else that goes with it because it's just way too overpowered. To, that mm -hmm. a two hundred dollar price point change won't like it won't do anything really. Teams they, are still just going to buy the A one S. To me, they literally just need to revert it back. Like one of the things that with the price decrease, players were actually starting to mm -hmm. lean towards the silence. I'm not saying that it was like it, there was still more players using A four, uh, but still. There was way like with twenty nine hundred, you saw a lot of players starting to actually use the silencer. Had they maybe decreased it one hundred more, it would maybe even go to fifty fifty with the pro players who was using an A four mm -hmm. and who was using the A one S, right? So they were so close to having it balanced, and then they just like buffed the damage to a point where it was just broken. Yeah, it, it's, because it's not, even about, it's not even about aim with the gun. Yes. You just put was... four bullets wherever you want, and that that. It was like the first time that I've actually seen teams actually have a distribution of A4 and A1S, like the period that you're talking about, where the, yes. it was somewhat balanced in terms of the the productivity in each gun. 
that was probably the first time in the last like seven years of watching the game that I've seen teams actually have some some players would use the A4, some players would have the ONS, and that's sort of what I'd like to see. Like that's the end goal in terms of the distribution of guns because it's sort of nice having that variety and seeing teams sort of change it up and even just watching matches makes it a little bit more fun to see teams sort of play differently based on what they have. The fact that they buffed one just way out of proportion to the other is just, it makes no sense to the point where I actually think I agree with you. Just reduce the fire rate buff that they did or the damage buff, actually. It's um, a damage buff. That's the key yeah. one, right? Um, and if, if they do that, they don't really have to touch the price point then. And that honestly will just bring it back in line. And also the the fact that they've overdone it now with the number of teams that have and players who've just gotten used to using the A1S, even if they reduce that damage buff, I think we'd see that distrib that 50-50 distribution actually get closer just because teams are gonna be used to using the A1S now. Yeah, it just seems yeah, like such so. an elementary evaluation to make as a developer where you just look at it and you think like, okay, what are the reasons I would not buy the A1S at this point? And there there aren't like, I have to be in a corner where my gun barrel will stick up. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. I, I'm a really good, like, two-bullet headshotter. Okay, well, maybe, because then you get a fraction of a second faster. But, you know, you get the element of surprise, you get the more damage no matter what you hit. You get, like, like there's so much that you get. And it's cheaper. The cheaper gun is the better gun. Okay, man, come on. But... <laughs> Why Why do you guys think Navi had simple, I think, bit, and I think, was it Perfecto or was it Electronic? Like, or, like, three of them were yeah, using the okay. A4. We for spoke some... about it. <laughs> why? We were why? Like, just trying to play those. on hard mode now or something yeah, like that. that. They're just <laughs> bored? <laughs> Dude, there's, uh, always, there's always those people that do that. No, like, I mean, simple unsilences his USP every time, basically, too, which is just another thing that's just objectively worse, right? So... Yeah, yeah, the one time down. Valve watches a pro match, they're like, wow, see, it is used. We don't have to remove it at all. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Off simple. Come on, man. Wait, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. sometimes, sometimes players will just feel comfortable with a gun and they'll just, they'll just use it because, I don't know, you... It's just feeling. They'll, they'll, just feeling. They'll whiff, yeah, they'll whiff one spray with an A1 and then they'll instantly switch back to the A4. There are there there is a thing with players where something is just objectively worse, but it's more comfortable, and then the yeah, UMP, just, for example. Yeah, the UMP, for example. Like is there a, using the AK for the entire SG era? Oh my God, yeah. And Shout I think Rain Nico. and Rain and Nico were were just never pretty much never switched until the very the bitter end. I don't think Rain ever switched. I think Nico eventually did switch. But um, okay, so I think like is is this a fair statement to make that for the A1S? If you just remove, if you reverted it back to the old damage values, that it would be in a good place even at 2900? Or would you want to mm -hmm. see? I think so. Okay. All right. Maybe 2800, but yeah, something like that. It would be fine in my opinion. That's the thing, though, is that I don't think that's what's going to happen. And that's a separate question. I agree that it would probably be fine. We'd go back to that, you know, promised land of a 50-50-ish distribution. The Valve, as they noted with the AUG and the Krieg changes that they made, they don't really deal in like these small incremental changes until and then giving them enough time to actually have breathing room. No, what you'll get is the Krieg nerf into the ground. Nobody, almost nobody uses it now. It's very hyper-specialized instead of being like a legitimate upgrade, but not as broken over the AK-47. I think that's what's going to happen with the M4A1S, but hopefully I'm wrong because it would be nice to have a legitimate choice. Also, why do I have to equip it in an out-of-game menu? Valve, please fix. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a bummer that they that they uh, haven't haven't fixed that one out. Okay, yeah, um, throws out a great troll suggestion, which is uh, just put a silencer on the AK. 
Yeah, why not? Huh? <laughs> Spam <laughs> wars. The most busted gun ever. That would just try to be so overpowered. Um, and the game would just suck to watch because people, w- yeah, it would just become spam wars at the end of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. Counter spam. Counter spam globally offended. Globally turning the game off and not watching anymore. <laughs> globally I, going to Valorant. Bye. Yeah. But people still pick the Vandal, though. Um, okay. Uh, so I, I, I wanted to kind of like segue this into an idea where, okay, so Ancient is just incredibly CT-sided. It, it, to me, it's become actually literally just boring. It's kind of boring to watch for me nowadays. Um, there's like, there's some elements where people have their little flair, their spin on it. But if, if they did the A1S nerf that we just talked about, would Ancient... Like, how much better does Ancient get, or, like, what else? Okay, first of all, how much better does Ancient get if there's this A1S nerf? Maybe a little bit better, but not that much. <laughs> a little, just a little better. Just <laughs> yeah, I don't honestly. think the core issue is the rifles. I think the core issue is the CT spawn positions are, they basically, they have no way to fall back into defensive spots that are, like, on other maps by comparison. So you need to take map control super early, which also is facilitated by all the nade lineups you can do and all that stuff. But then the T's have nowhere to go either, so then they're kind of stuck. And you basically just get this, like, weird trench no man's land and then when a t does break through now the cts have to like it's instantly forced into a retake there's no like you know mirage middle where you can have take fights fall back into the bomb site it's like you're already in the bomb site when you're falling back on the ct side that's that's my t- i'm interested in what snappy thinks though because he's obviously been playing the map so yeah snappy you guys don't I don't think you like you don't first pick it, but you let it through. I mean it's it's one of the maps in your pool, right? So yeah, what, yeah I mean, what, we haven't been that strong on it lately. I mean I think you guys lost, lost a few godsend on it, so yeah, after yeah. double overtime, and I think we lost Australia sixteen thirty. It's not like a terrible map, but we have had some pretty bad losses on it. And to be honest, we have played really bad on it, uh, which we have looked into uh, the last few days uh, in order to to strengthen uh, that particular map because it's obviously a weakness uh, at the moment. Um, but I think the map has some issues. Um, and one of them, like it's, it doesn't look like a CS map. If you look like the it, cave, uh, the two, the, there's two rooms in cave. Mm-hmm. On what map do you have a corridor where you can't really check right and left? And it's yeah. so weird. And then another position that's just broken is donut. You can't molly anyone out because you can't really get the molly behind the wall so that they actually are forced out. And then on top of that, you can't plant the bomb on A. You can't really plant it on B either. That's sometimes no. forgotten. You can't so plant trash. it on B either because if the T has a guy on long, he can spam the entire area. So leaving you to plant in one single position. And if you do not have cave, that area also gets spammed. So to me, and that that is, by the way, a silence, I think, partly. Uh, that mm-hmm. you can just stand and spam and you're not worried about spams back to you. Um, but I do think it has some issues. And I think I think obviously the donut area, that actually needs to be changed in my yeah. opinion. And then Same. they could either put it like, just remove it like a bit left or right so that it doesn't go straight into the A bomb planting area. Because the problem on A is you have to be careful of three different areas. Temple, spawn, and donut. There should only be two areas you can get shot from. Then you can block one and you can concentrate on fighting the other. But in this particular case, you just have nowhere to stand. Even if you smoke off Donut, you still get shot from a guy who jumps up on that little legend Donut and just 
like lasers you because it's so easy to hear the bomb plant. He has a silencer. Mm -hmm. Again, you can barely shoot back. Because also, if you start shooting back, then the CT guy and the start spamming you, the temple guy. It's a bad map, to be honest. I like the map only because it's a new map, and I like to play new maps. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so in general, every time there's a new map, I like it. But it's not a good map. Like, Nuke is a good map. I think... Uh, Do you think it's better think, than Vertigo? You, or you think no, Vertigo is better? Vertigo, I think Vertigo is better. Okay, I, I agree. Um, I actually agree with that. Yeah. I'd, see, that I'd probably agree, but I still hate Vertigo more. Yeah, I hate Vertigo a lot, but out. I don't hate it. I hate Ancient. I realize I hate Ancient more. I actually do hate Ancient more. But the I do think Dust Two is still probably the worst map. Do you think <laughs> Dust? Do you think Dust Two is worse than Ancient? Actually, it's a very bad and poor map at the at the and boring map at this point. It's the Bo same over. Like they changed yeah. it so that the CT, so it got mega CT sided, but to me it's a pretty boring map. Like the thing that was partly good about those two what's that you could kind of read rotations now you can't read rotations right yeah reading rotations made it one of those just kind of built-in t-sided things but i i kind of want to just essentialize what i think is the problem with with ancient which is just it kind of just is like early valorant maps where everywhere you walk it's just another 50 50 angle that you have yeah. to clear like you have to left right all the time and there's just simply not enough utility in counter-strike to to go through 50 50s all the time like that and i uh, uh, mix what do you what do you think of was, ancient what do you think of it i was gonna say to add to that like all the individual spots are like 50 50 and that makes like the general map control almost feel like 50 50 like yeah it was like mid when you're a t right the only way CTs are going to fight you is if they're just like hard committed. So they're either like they're holding W and they're like fighting you like at the mid entrance, or they're like playing some type of setup where they have to play like in mid because you can't like sort of like fight outside of mid. You know that's not how really your choke points work. And it's like a similar thing with A, where it's like it's like just like that A main area, and then you're straight out onto like one choke point on site. And with B, it's like you can kind of work a bit more in terms of like taking cave control, maybe, or maybe like kind of working the ramp. But even those areas are so like small and just so like, you know, you're not like actually taking map control anywhere, it feels like. It's so it's very hard to like actually condition people over like a T side half in any like meaningful way. Like, obviously, you can still like change things up and you can still like do like fakes and stuff. Like, you know, maybe you can like fake mid and B control and you're just like walking out A main, but. The options in general just feel like very limited compared to like a map like Overpass or Nuke or something. It just feels very all or nothing in terms of the the strats and the map control you take. Okay, okay. I want to I want to hear notes because I know Pronogo. I know you're gonna have a lot of ideas because you you do a lot of mapping. But no, no. What's your right now? What's your general take on Ancient? I mean, I just don't find it enjoyable to watch. I don't think there's much like more to be said in terms of. Uh, I don't know. For for me, at least, the original Vertigo, we knew that they were constantly making updates and trying to make it better. Like, every couple of months, there, there was a new change that would sort of change the way it was played. Teams were sort of adapting, and that made it at least enjoyable to sort of peek into and see what teams are doing now, and it progressively got better. Ancient's been out for quite a while now, and it's just, like, they made a couple of updates initially, and then since then, it's sort of just been, like, no change at all. And... For me, that just doesn't make it fun because it seems like they're almost satisfied with what the map is in its current state. And it's, it's just not enjoyable to watch because it ends up being either the same sort of round every time where teams are sort of getting that outer B control on T side and then they're just sitting there for the next 50 seconds while CTs just bleed all of their nades. Um, 
or they're sort of just like running into mid and then splitting donut or lurking someone into into red room it's i don't know i don't know what to make of it just because most other maps at some point you can sort of tell what team is going to come out on top of a certain round whereas ancient there's just weird timings on ct side and weird positions that players get three kills where they really should yeah. like they wouldn't in any other map yeah um but they're just sitting in spots where you have to clear like four different angles at the same time. So they're going to get at least two and then it's sort of a lottery for the third kill. Um, so yeah, I, I personally would rather see uh, substantial changes come in. Uh, I don't necessarily want to see it removed just because I do like seeing new maps in the pool and, and stuff play out differently. But Changes definitely have to come in. To Snappy's point, I'd love to see like minus dust two and plus train or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be yeah. honestly an ideal change for me because I also don't really like dust two at all. So that would be a perfect sort of uh, transition. And then teams could honestly ban ancient if they wanted to. Okay, Pronogo, resident map maker. In a big big part of the map making community what is what what is the biggest what are the biggest problems with ancient so like i said earlier i mean ancient has this issue where there are no fallback cover positions within the bomb site you basically have to get into a retake position as soon as the t's breach the site or you have to just meet them once you're there like if you're already there then that's fine but um and you're also kind of disincentivized to push any farther than you can even though the rotation like the timings favor you in the early stages so if you wanted to do, I, I was t- talking about this when I was actually looking at the map, and I think like there's that big ziggurat in the back of B site, which should be called A site, which is really confusing yeah, to me still, yeah. even months. months Switch and- the bomb site names for <laughs> FFS. Yeah, God seriously. Damn. So, so yeah, no, B site where the cave spam is. If you go back there, there's a ziggurat. I think you could open that up and make it an actual part of the map instead of just this giant block that you have to walk around. There even looks like these door openings that seem really obvious that you could have at least one or two of those open up so that you have an area where there's another line of sight there. Then there's actual cover for the CTs to fall back to. Maybe you change up some sight lines as well to make it so that it's not an overpowered angle or whatever. But the the bottom line is that Ancient just has this problem where ultimately it's CT-sided not because CTs have interesting decisions to make, but because CTs have very few decisions to make and it's not even like it's offset by the fact that T's have a lot of decisions to make. It's like neither team can do many interesting things. And so it's just not an interesting map. I think that's the fundamental look on it. And I would like to just point out that it was replaced train another map that everybody said was CT sided. And I would agree the stats bear that out. You know, you could have some very powerful CT sides there, but CT's had to do interesting things and T's could do interesting things to get advantages. And you could really see what a bit better train T side looked like compared to, you know, something else. Whereas it, it feels like no matter who you are with very few exceptions, there is no way you can have a better T side ancient. If the CT side on the other side is remotely competent, it just feels it's not, again, I think the biggest issue is it's not compelling to play or to watch and it replaced a map that was compelling to play and watch. And I didn't see very many complaints, you know, anecdotally or whatever about train being stale or anything like that. If anything, this was in the height of Vertigo's hate. Remember that people kept saying overpass, what a bad map it was at the beginning, but it's become one of the best. Yeah. But between overpass and ancient was Vertigo, which is still terrible. And it's been terrible for a while and it's years of terrible for Vertigo. And yet we, now we get ancient and it's just the same thing. Like, Come on, man. Come on. So that's my rant. 
I've almost been Stockholm syndrome into liking Vertigo just a little bit more over the course of, you know, year the year and a half that it's been playing out just just because it's not ancient anymore. Just because it's not ancient. I like Vertigo. Also, I think I, I want to bring this up like this is this is for a viewer thing because I, I, I just have to sit in green rooms and just watch games all day, you know, like. Dude, Ancient's not even that pretty to look at, man. Like, the, why, there's so many more. I was talking to James Bardolf about this, that there's so many different color palettes that are in kind of Mexican, Mayan culture that would make this map pop out so much more. Like, imagine if they threw some turquoise or some, it's like, because they're, they're just, <laughs> yeah, just it's just a dark drab green. And instead, like, I will, think of, I will say that yeah. at least Vertigo is like a really pretty map. Yes, yes, it looks better. It looks a lot better. And I, I really wish that they just had more lighting options or just like, everything is just dark kind of viney kind of overrun and i get kind of th that's not even necessarily true to mexico where they're trying to make it you know this aztec mayan ruins th there's a lot of other colors that they used so like that's just not even related to, to the what what's wrong with the map in terms of design well it is because they're agent skins and i can't see shit so change map please oh yeah get, i mean it does out. matter you know when i'm watching a fucking game i want yeah. it to look nice i just want to be staring at Dude, green the like you know the inferno I mean? facelift that they gave was amazing they, they yeah. made so many colors popped out like i it just it, it's just a map that invokes so much more like wow factor because it's like oh the fights that are happening in different areas you can instantly recognize based off of the colors in it that something is going on in a new part of the map whereas if i'm looking at an ancient game it's just like bro this is dark green it's also dark green over there oh there's a little bit of wood but like it's like if you drop a newbie into a different part of ancient and just say like look at the ground every the ground looks the same everywhere on on ancient other than like the top mid area or like can if there's candles by your feet that's basically the only difference if there's just candles no candles Holding that's all a you vigil, get yeah no i mean the most interesting parts visually of ancient are the bridge that you can't traverse on and in <laughs> you can't even go anywhere in, in the t spawn there's like an organic looking rock waterfall that you also can't traverse on so great like the only, the, the good eye candy there is just not even interactionable. The other thing I'll just say very quickly is that if you guys are talking about map visuals, just load up Iris, which is in the game right now. Uh, look up Sub-Zero by FM Pone, same guy who put together Cash's update. Like, like these maps have actual production value to them. I'm not saying that Ancient doesn't. It's very demanding on everybody's CPU, so they should know. It's obviously a map with a lot of effort put into it. It just doesn't, it, it didn't work out, man. Failed experiment. And normally failed experiments are just called failed experiments and then we move on to something better. But in CSGO, we have to get, again, Stockholm Syndrome to liking another failed experiment until this one gets out, which is probably years from now. So whatever. Okay. All right. That's our, that's, that's our entire hate boner for ancient laid out on the table. Um, we, th th let's, let's talk about something that's kind of good in the scene. Uh, this is, I think a lot of TOs are adapting this, uh, or adopting this, I mean, and I think that 12.5 K OT is probably without changing loss bonus money or anything like that. It's probably right now the best way to go with this. Do you guys, do you guys think that 12.5 K has been like refreshing compared to the the alternatives. Better than 10k, and that's all I care about. Yeah, I just don't want 10k. 10k, literally trash. Yeah, Sna snappy. Yeah. Does 10 does 12.5 feel a lot better? Yeah, I mean it. It seems like a a pretty decent number. You obviously, if a team wins around, they can still kind of abuse uh, the fact that you have more weapons. But at the end of the day, it barely matters now. When you mm -hmm. have those two gone, like with the 
with the thing that you could shoot people through yeah. the door. So at this point, it doesn't really matter almost if it's 12.5 or 16k. 12.5 is obviously better if there comes a new map where you can suddenly abuse it. But um, yeah, I think 10k is not great. So 12.5k is probably a golden number going forward, right? Yeah. The only thing I see like people do is like I've seen Elise do it a few times, and it makes me mad because. He'll just like buy an op and just like yeah, juggle, he'll guns juggle over. it. Mm-hmm. But it makes me so mad because I feel like he hasn't actually gotten to use the op like one time. And I don't I just, know if he's ever. I've ever seen. I him really, get I, I really want to see Elise be tested with the op, and it's my my fantasy right now. <laughs> Maybe you should okay. just get a an AUG and an A1S. You know, that's actually. I feel like that's actually more relevant than like. <laughs> For Elysia's sake, at least. Okay, that was a very short topic. And uh, I want to bring up now another thing that Snappy and I have talked about in DMs and on Snake and Banter as well. The the way that basically HLTV stats, and, and I'd say all stats, uh, kind of, they, they don't really reflect the ops true like impact in the game or like like kind of its cost, like the, the cost benefit of, of using an, an op. Uh, Snappy, I kind of want you to like, re- like re restate what you said before, where it's kind of like the money, the resources put into it. Like how how does the how do the stats basically not inflect what the op is doing or the resources put into yeah, it? Yeah, I think my point was uh, on Snake and Bandit that like people are saying obviously that the orb is overrated because we have a lot of orbs in the top twenty, and in general, orbs have very great stats, right? And my counterpoint is that when a weapon costs almost double of an AK, it obviously needs to be better. Um, but it's not reflected reflected in the numbers. So if you put 30,000, like let's say during a T-half, put $25,000 of equipment, AKs, armor, whatever, into one player, and you put 45000 into another player because you give him orb, you give every single time, you make sure he has an orb, he has whatever he needs, right? Then you cannot expect the same output, and it's like, when you then compare the numbers, you're pretty much comparing bananas to oranges or apples. You know, you can't apples do oranges, that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, apples. Yeah, that's how it is. In the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, overall, in statistics, that's like it's just a wrong way of calculating statistics. Coming from a background uh, of statistics with my with my uh, degree from university. However, what they then do is they just the exact value of a kill. For whatever weapon you have, is the exact same. And my problem with with that is like orbs should not be compared, which I said to you, to a rifler. Like if you want to have like an opening kill rating, rating, you need to take the average of all the orbs in the HLTV database. They could easily calculate what is the average CT uh, orb uh, entry rate, like zero point thirteen maybe. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Then that's what you need to compare orbs to. You shouldn't compare them to something else, and that's my main problem with it. And the problem is that people think that now the orb is overrated, which is it is not because it's like I think you probably get more value in most cases out of getting two AKs rather than one orb. It's not the gun's fault that the stat that the like top twenty list puts a lot of oppers in it it's it's exactly the, yeah okay so would you want to see maybe like a coefficient to to attach itself to if someone's opping it around do they like do they deserve like a point nine five kind of like multiply what they're doing in that round you just by need that? to take the average uh, of the weapon and then compare it to the average that's it it's pretty simple in my opinion how you do it um 
obviously like section comparing offers to other offers. Nah, but like when you see like a kill, then you see okay, it was made by the orb. This is the entry kill. Then you compare that entry kill to all the other orb. Like, what is the average of an orb getting an entry on a CT site? That's what it should be compared to. Okay. And obviously, it's more advanced statistics, but eventually, it will come to see us also, like in all the all other sports. It's just a matter of time, and probably HLTV will do it in like three, four, five years. What do I know? But also, like just in general, attaching economy into into the numbers would be good at this point because right now it gives you way more rating farming five guys with an MP9 due to multi-kill mm-hmm. factor, impact rating, and win round share. Uh, no, sorry, the fact that you win the round compared mm-hmm. to, to a guy who with an M4 kills two, kills three times, and two of the rounds are lost. But it gives mm-hmm. you way more to farm that EQAs rating-wise, and that's obviously an issue. It's a flaw, mm-hmm. right? And I think adding economy and like adjusting for... For certain things like weighing uh, the the weapons uh, up against each other is obviously the right way to go. Going forward, if you want to do it even more advanced, you would do it with heat maps also, so that you would also not suddenly compare connector players to B Mirage players. Then you would do heat maps of uh, what is the average of killing in the connector position, compare, and then you would again compare positions two positions in a way uh, so you kind of get scored out of like where you get the kill how early and obviously no stats uh, will ever be perfect and it can be flawed it can be kind of like you can still probably learn how to play for it in a way but right now it's just it's too you could make it easily better i would think uh maybe it's not that easy i'm probably not the expert on how easy it actually is to create it but in my mind, it seems like some of the things seems pretty straightforward. There's, there's definitely improvements that can be made to the overall system for sure. I think um, I don't know if there's any plans for it, but I think at some point, like a rating 3.0 that includes stuff like the economy impact and and like a coefficient of the op in terms of comparing it to others would be a good change. Um, I don't know if that's actually in the plans or if there's something incoming with that. Uh, I'm not involved in that whatsoever. But I think those are generally just good ideas. The one about positional rating is a little bit harder to to sell, I would say. Like it would be good as its own stat, but it shouldn't really involve in like an overall rating category just because players shift their positions round to round as well. Like not a connector player isn't always going to be there. No, 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 but that's why you do it based on the heat map. You see where the kill is coming from. So yeah. you don't compare. Like, it doesn't matter if a guy is playing B5 rounds and five rounds and connector then. So you base it based on where the kill is coming from. Gotcha. And what okay. time in the round, like stuff like this. Obviously, this is very advanced and it's not going to be here for the for a long, long period. But I think that's the next step if you really want to go into depth my brain is exploding thinking about how much machine learning would be necessary to just make a map that... I mean, it like, will be here. It's yeah. just a matter of time. 
it'll 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 happen it's kind of like oh if a guy in connector dies how much impact is that going to have on like the loss losing probability how is that going to change the probability that a person's going to win or lose the round or a team that is so there's going to be like more impactful positions i think um i don't know if you've seen this guy's this guy's work but n cash i'm pretty sure was the guy that did it he uh he was on like a couple thorn shows but basically he's like a he's like a guy that i think just kind of cs is his hobby but he made a, a blog post about all the positions on mirage and basically which are the strongest uh which are basically expected to find multi-kill value so like for example in in what he analyzed from like all the pro league demos like he fed him through his his like what whatever his algorithm or whatever was he found out like top balcony was on on a like out out of out of palace uh, on a mirage was like the strongest spot like you're more likely than anywhere else to get two kills from there this was like two seasons of pro league ago but like it, it's kind of cool to see how the meta changes for positions and I, I mean, if they, it actually makes yeah. sense because if you're playing there you usually would have a guy baiting for you right you're yeah. not gonna pick that position if you're just gonna stand there alone so that by default makes it a higher probability of getting a multi-kill because it's very rare you see a, a player there without any backup right it's not just a place you play solo. Yeah, oh, no, exactly. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, also, Snappy, to your point of um, the overall investment into an opera versus a rifler, do you think that uh, dying with the op or dying as a primary opera should also impact your stats more? No, not necessarily. But I do think it's just like, to me, it's not even about like, obviously, you could argue that uh, like an overall rating score by the end of the match should also kind of be impacted by how much uh, value is spent within a certain player on a half. Uh, but I, I think it's more about like just comparing like certain like especially an orba to an orba and maybe give imp higher impacts uh to a deagle kill on an eco round like pretty much looking at the difference in equipment from like one player taking down another player the other thing that i, I makes me think about in general is that this is almost like a uh in this way stats can be the same can have the same problem as like creditations in general like a college degree from something where if if basically the stat is what we're mostly interested in and if if a stat is what secures somebody a contract if a stat is what gets people ahead career wise then really at that point it's being treated like the answer as opposed to like a question and I feel like there's still value in even if everybody adopted the idea that, OK, stats aren't the answer. Stats are the question. Let's see how valid these stats are. It's still valuable to get the stats to be improved in general. Uh, but I, I do think that generally speaking, there is a bit of a problem with some of the entry or level enthusiasts who just say, oh, this player is good, you say. Well, he's got this rating, so I think not yeah. or, or whatever. And. Um, you know, that, that's kind of the same thing as saying, you know, oh, this person has good ideas. Well, he doesn't have a college degree. So bye. Like it's not, it's kind of like missing the point in a way. Obviously there's way more different about those two examples, but in that way, I feel like they are very similar and you kind of have to say like, okay, well, you know, what was your thesis? What did you study? You know, like you have to go deeper in that sense to see like what's, what's going on. And if the stat holds up to, to sort of passes muster, that's why I think it's, it's good to have these kinds of conversations to talk about stats in general, because that will give us better equipment to ask more interesting questions and come to more interesting conclusions. And uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to comment on that just because I feel like there have been at least been reports and maybe it's all a jest that like, Oh, this guy bu bumped up his rating just in time for his contract negotiation. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's actually going on there? But. Rob's. I, 
<laughs> I do think it'd be yeah, nice to too. see. I do think it'd be nice to see certain stats sort of become more, and they they have been on broadcast recently more than they used to for sure. But just in general, in terms of talking points for the casual viewers, stuff like KPR, DPR, multi kills, like a lot of these sort of things could be talked about a lot more than just looking at someone's rating and saying like, oh, this player has a. 1.01 rating their dog shit compared to this 1.3 rated player like it's it's such a sur- surface level um level of analyzing that people just go onto an hltv page or they go onto a player's stat page and then they pull that single number and don't actually look at anything further like as you were saying in terms of the positions they play uh in terms of just their overall level of impact in certain rounds like flash assists a lot of different like stuff that doesn't generally get brought to the forefront unless you actually dig into it. And I think those sort of stats could be a lot more upfront in a, in a way that is a little bit more presentable. Uh, Cause like, even if you look at like NBA stats, there's a, it's a lot easier to like sift through a couple of those for, for players just in terms of looking at an overall uh, match that was played. So I think there's definitely improvements that could be made in that aspect. If 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 K, I think KPR and DPR on broadcast is really hard to contextualize. If if we were used as like a percentile, it would be so much better. Like basically, yeah. like I I know when I look at Smoothie's DPR, which is like 0.68, I'm like that's really high. But I know I know an average fan viewer is not gonna understand how like. A Shiro number is like a 0.56 DPR, you know, like so. Th- then if they were like, yeah, like especially like a sp- given the role, like if, if the role were simplified as much as like, because right now I don't think we're there yet that we're gonna be like connector player, like uh, window player, like whatever player, just like opera versus not opera, like those kind, like opping stats could be uh, like very simplified in terms of getting percentiles. Like Snappy said, just get the average of all the oppers for whatever the stat is, and then you can spit out spit something out that's a little bit more focused in terms of like their their opening kill rating, which is obviously going to be higher if you're an opper, unless you're trash. So, uh, we, because I ha- am on a limited time, though, th- this is like a, this is a great discussion. But I want to I kind of want to just keep it moving on. We have a couple. We have like three patron questions that we have to get to, and then I kind of want to bring it back to maybe some other some other discussion topics. So let's just let's just hop into the patron questions now to make sure we don't we don't miss these ones. So Pranogo, do you have do you have it up? Do you got it up? I do. Okay, so let's do the first one. Nick Digi, new patron, says, Do you think a team can have long-term success with a roster where neither the IGL or coach are the captain of that team? That is to say that the team's leader of men character, like the moral leader, is not the IGL or coach. Snappy, what do you, what do you think about this? Can, can a team I have mean, a... Yeah. I'm not sure, but isn't Simple the captain of Navi? So if, if that's the case, you already got the answer at least. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I guess yeah, that's already was, the simplest answer. I was going to bring up maybe even like, a, I don't know, if, probably on the same level, but I was going to say Liquid with Stewie. Um, the the grandstand lineup of Liquid with Stewie, Nitro, oh, yeah. and Dren. Yeah. I'd probably consider Stewie the leader of men character on, on that team. Yeah, yeah, so there's already been multiple examples of this working. Yeah, I, think, I, yeah. I think it can work as long as whoever that character is, like the leader of men character, isn't like, doesn't isn't like controlling the roster as well. You know what I mean? As long as it's not Alo is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. So, as long as long as whoever that is isn't doesn't have roster control and isn't making all the decisions, then I think long term it can definitely work. Okay. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's yeah, I think that's pretty yep. pretty answered. Uh let's do okay, Slumpness Monster has the question. 
considering Yakindar speak, speaks great English, if he were to leave VP, what team would you like to see him join? If you replace Rain on FaZe, I think they would truly be a super team. Well, uh, he, already gave so he gave one kind idea. Of topical, right unfortunately. I think the, the problem with that change would probably be on a lot of maps. Uh, Yakinda is like used to being star player, I would say, on, on most maps. But now they have Twist and Robs. Like, can they? Would they be able to? Like, he would. They would be able to sacrifice one of them into playing weaker roles. I think. But in general, Yakinda is such a good player that he would obviously be interesting to every international team. Uh, like every international team would at least consider. Should we do something? Most teams would probably like not because it's after the player changes. Uh, so new. We are mid-season. But he is such a skilled player that you would have to consider it. It's like suddenly if like a guy like Nico suddenly becomes available on the market, right? Mm -hmm. You have to just consider it. And yeah, most teams would probably about jump about jump on it, right? And I think it would probably be not to the same degree as Nico with Jikinda, but it would be close. I think uh, another one, obviously, like, to your point, it would be a lot of stars on one team in terms of role overlap, but like a kinder for Jax also would also be Ooh. a move that would be ridiculous to see. I think, I think that would be one. That, that would be an even worse fit than Yakindar for yeah, Rain. But the thing is, I think Jax it is would. so underrated, man, because first of all, he has like his personality seems so fucking yes. awesome. And not <laughs> only that, but he actually is the sacrificial lamb on both sides both t and ct yeah. ct right. plays usually with the worst positions and on t side they just throw him in like and that's something that's actually pretty valuable i would say because it creates space for everyone else in the team yeah i don't think g2 I think he's underrated. Are, like the, are the two slots i would put yakindar into like yeah. I don't think he fits for Jax or Rain. Like maybe Rain, but even then, like you'd be that could fall apart in some ways because mm -hmm. you definitely wouldn't have a stable as a team. Because Twist, I'm pretty sure would have to like make some drastic role changes again, which probably would kind of suck for him considering that's the whole reason he left Liquid. So I just muted yeah. myself on accident, but yeah. yeah he's obviously such a good player. Add Yakinder and JKS and remove two players. Uh. That I guess that'd be okay. That'd be <laughs> that'd be all right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the leader. I just I'm I'm like not sold on the leadership of Mao's personally. You know the. I mean, I don't think anyone is right uh, now. Yeah. To so be fair. What about uh, uh, what about like an NA team like EG or something? I know you guys mentioned Liquid earlier, but uh, um, yeah, it, it okay, seems well, like a big downgrade no matter mm -hmm. where he goes outside of VP. Like he can't. I don't think he can go up. I get I people would say yeah. G two, but. Like we just discussed, it's probably not a good idea, or it, it doesn't. It it's not a clear upgrade. There is going to be some loss and some adjustments, right. right? But I feel like EG, he could probably just be an upgrade for somebody. Mm. Yeah, it's really tough to find a team for him. Yeah. Personally, this is the same problem we had with JKS last episode. If you guys remember, we were like, "Oh yeah, JKS, yeah. he's a great player. He should definitely be on some team." And then we looked down, it's like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he, he would like. I'm certain he would get like multiple offers from top yeah. twenty teams. Um, but it would be, I don't know if there would be any team he would fit into perfectly. Mm. But he definitely yeah. would get the offer still because he's such mm -hmm. a good player. To an NA team, you say Pernogo. How about he goes and plays with NA's best stopper, Exotic, on Choco Chuck? Mm, you had to say that. Bad. I thought you were going to say Pone alone. Come on, dude. 
I Snappy, I want to put you on the spot. If if Yakindar and oh shit, oh, uh, if Yakindar and JKS are both on the free agent market, who is more valuable to more teams? Just general, generally Yakindar, of course, Yakindar. Okay. okay, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, uh, there's no there's doubt. Like, that, that's not a bad skill. against JKS, yeah. but like Yakindar is literally a top ten player in the world. Like, yeah. At least not, close not, to. Not and only that, he's been he's showing just... it for the last two years where JKS have had a good tournament now and he is a good player and I yeah. think JKS deserves a top team. But Yakinda is just more valuable at the moment. There's, just, there's no doubt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's also one because he's just he just adds like a completely different play style that's like pretty difficult to actually find. It's very hard to yeah. find these very aggressive high impact players. Um yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it's hard to find a Yikinder. It's also hard to find a player like JKS, but there is more players that can go and play passive lurk roles rather than what Yikinder does because it's much more intu- intuition in a way. Yeah, I, I almost would compare it like this. Uh, Floppy is closer to JKS than Yakindar is to Config. Like, I, I think the gap between, like, JKS and Floppy, not it's it's there. It's obviously there, but it's not huge. But the gap between Yakinder and Config is actually pretty big in terms of consistency. Like how I, the fact that Yakinder can find consistency doing his role is just just bonkers. Like that's just insane to me. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Okay, next question. This uh, I don't want to answer this one, Adam. But Adam asks, do you think Majisk will eventually take over IGLing on Vitality? I don't know. I really rate Apex, but I mean, I, I don't know that I'd bet on it, but I could see a world where it happens. Loads Vitality of people were, results. yeah, loads of people were were predicting Vitality to win this upcoming Antwerp major. I'm, I'm still, I was pretty sure there's going to be some growing pains for this team when it was first announced. It's a very exciting project. It does feel like an obvious. That here's the problem: is that when Ma- Magic joins, I'm imagining he has this in the back of his head, like, well, if it doesn't work out, maybe I can IGL the way that I did on Astralis. Here's the problem: is even if he was only like sort of considering that, everybody in the whole CS scene has said, "What if? Ma- when is Magic doing this? Is Magic going to do this? What's going to happen? What could he do this?" So he's like, it's definitely a narrative that's gotten into his head by now. Like he's definitely thinking, oh, it could be a, a fallback, even if he wasn't seriously considering it before. So yeah, without knowing I mean, what that the internal means. Are. Yeah. Go ahead. I still feel like things would have to go like really poorly for them for them to do that. I do- I kind of doubt Magic is just like itching the fucking IGL. Yeah. You know, I, I like. I don't know. That wouldn't really. I would say. Me, but... I would say another four to five months if they aren't actually getting any results, then they yeah. then it might be something that they consider. But it'll take a substantial amount of time where they're not able to actually find any success or they're getting early group stage exits or something like that. It would have to be something drastic for them to to actually like start shifting in that direction. Because I do think Apex is a pretty good IGL in terms of what he can bring. Um, also, to your point, I don't think that they will be able to uh, win Antwerp for sure just with the level of teams that they're that are currently there and what they've shown so far. Like it to me, it seems they're still at least another four months away from being able to consistently sort of take down some of the world's best teams like Navi G2. It just isn't going to quite reach that level for a couple more months. Their comms seemed like a little bit hectic in a lot of the segments mm-hmm. that were shown. Uh, yep. They seemed a little bit uncoordinated in certain rounds, and that sort of stuff obviously takes time to improve. Not that they won't, but 
it uh, it's still a little while away, in my opinion. I think Vitality is going to be number one in the world at one point this year. I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. I think they definitely they have can. Such a good lineup. So, um, yeah. And I think Apex is a good in-game leader. I think. Yeah. I don't think they have a bad player, and then they have one of the best players on top of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think they. I don't. I think the only way that Majisk IGLs for Vitality is like three years from now, Apex retires, and Majisk says, "All right, I'll do it." That's that's my that's my. Uh, I call on them. I don't think there's any way they replace Apex as an in-game leader. I think he's proved himself multiple times now that he is actually a good leader. Uh, I mean, you, you just watch you watch the development from when he first was the I, IGL to what he's doing now with the team. Not maybe don't take what they just did at Katowice necessarily, but like, but 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 beyond that or before that, like IEM Winter. Oh my! Like they were the clear second best team, or like behind yeah. Navi, it felt like at, with mm-hmm. their Winter win. But also, so like, point, it was one month into the project, and Sonic wasn't even there. Like, it's not really that easy of a time. Mm-hmm. So also to that point, like Zewu just historically doesn't play well at Katowice, and he didn't play too well at this tournament uh, compared to his overall level. So they can definitely. Yeah. It's not really a, a clear picture of what they're like as a team in a typical environment. Yeah, something Air- that go- Air- I think Katowice had this issue where something overshadowed. Uh, the vitality, like the stars aligning against vitality, because right after that we had the whole like business in Eastern Europe. So everybody was talking mm-hmm. about the more the more like CIS squads, and it's like, oh well, I want there's a cloud hanging over them. But I think the same thing happened with vitality here. It's like not only did Zaiwu underperform to like one of the most ridiculous levels we've seen in an individual match, but Zonic wasn't even there until I think that match maybe, or at least till the ver- the last match that they had. It's like. Come yeah, on, he like, only showed up then. Yeah, yep. there's a lot of asterisks next to that performance, and they still, you know, were maybe not almost made it, but they were in contention to get to the arena. So, yeah, the air quality is notoriously bad in Katowice, and Zaiwu likes his daily walks, so that's a that's a that's a shame for him. Uh, okay, it's okay. Let's see. We got we got Easy Pete with a question. Any two any tier two IGLs that you would like to see in tier one teams? Hmm. JT on the come up. JT, you think, okay, you think they're, so you're saying Complexity's tier two. Yeah, they're the number uh, one in now, 18. Just for now. Come on. Bird just from now. Sky. Bird from, from Sky. Sky. That's Bird my from Sky. Team. Dude, Bird that from is our, Sky. To be honest, our, I think he's actually a good in-game leader. That is even, our cult hero. Like, I don't this, even, this. like, I think it's a meme at this point, but I don't even, like, I actually like the way they play CS. Dude, no, I agree. So I actually, good. I actually do think he is a good call. Like, I don't know anything about him personally, but just from, like, Having played them a couple times um, and like prep for them, I, I do think they have like a really. Uh, he has like he has like a really solid mind for the game. He seems to have like a really good system under there. Mm. Yeah, I would. I would. I was gonna say Bird from Sky. So I. I don't even know now. Like that's my call. That was my call. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean that's fine. That's fine. We can have the same. We can have the same pick there. Uh, I think that'll do it for for patron questions. Unless note note and Pernoga, do you guys have anybody else other than Radar from Sky? No, just kidding. <laughs> no. Just kidding. no, that's it's actually effed up that people say that about them. Um, but yeah, people only he, one person has said that about them, as far as I'm concerned. Only one, and he's not going to any events anytime soon, nor is his whole country. So. Oh my god! Oh my god! Jesus! Oh my lord! Okay, all right. Let's uh, let's let's move on. Okay, so. I've got about 12 minutes before I got to dip out. I, okay, I, I do want to... I said I was so bored of recaps, but you know what? You guys watched it. We all we all kind of talked. We all saw it. I mean, Katowice Grand Finals. G2, 
you know, FaZe, you know, these teams, you know them, you love them. Uh, but what, but what do you guys, what do you guys see? What do you guys, is, how about, I'll, I'll frame it like this. Is FaZe going to keep winning tournaments? Is FaZe going to keep winning? See, that's are, they gonna, are they a top, are they a top two team? Are they a top, is FaZe a top two team? You see, they you can, have, now you can go. So I was going to say, I do think they will consistently be up there, but I am a little bit hesitant to put to decide how much stock I actually put into this run because I want to see them actually play with rain. Because the thing with like JKS coming in and playing, right, is that obviously it's playing with a stand-in, but a guy like JKS, he kind of it's easier for him to fit into a role like Reigns just as a stand-in because there's not as much pressure there. You know, he's kind of just playing, he can kind of do what he... There's not as, like, as much pressure to play well, so it's a lot easier to kind of like fill into just whatever role, I think, and for the team to kind of just roll with it. And so I'm curious to see how they perform with Rain, you know, when they don't have that kind of that kind of thing going for them, or whatever they choose to do after this. But I do think FaZe will consistently be like top three around there. I I, I think with Robs three. and Twists and with Brokey like hitting like another level, then yeah. I think they'll they'll consistently be up there. I don't think there's any doubt that they will be a top team. Um but there's two things uh which you also kinda have to consider with this run and the first one was that they were 21-11 in the pistols, and they won 90% of the second rounds, mm, which means yep. they had 19 good starts just by the pistols. Then they had 54% on second rounds. So out of 30 map starts, uh, sorry, uh, half staffs, they had 25 good starts where they got the economy rolling. 54% uh, break? Was that they, the break? No, 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 they round, had they like broke. 70% break. They had, 50 the as well. uh, they had 54% Round uh, on the second round when they lost pistol they won fifty four so basically yeah. out of thirty halves okay. they had twenty five good half starts and that actually really <laughs> matters uh, yes. and especially if you look at some of the maps that were really close like getting two good half starts definitely matter yeah uh, so there's uh, that thing and then there is obviously also the thing that's a bit touchy at the moment that like who knows again as we said where were the heads of those CIS teams like it's yeah, mm-hmm. like it was a horrible situ- situation to be in. Like, if it was me, I wouldn't be looking at counter. I would be looking at the news, or like my yeah. messenger, and and obviously that has to be taken. But there, there's obviously no doubt that Face is going to be a top team this year. They simply have too good an in-game leader, too good players to not be a top yeah. team. But they also had some factors that isn't. Con- it's not consistent to be able to get 25 good half starts. In 30 halves. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one other yeah. thing is Brokey had a really, really sick event. In general, he's he's getting better as he goes. Um, he did say in one of the interviews, I think, that he changed some stuff in his game and he was playing like slightly differently than he was before. So to points we've made before on the show is like when, when operas like that are changing up what they're doing in game, like it takes a little bit for teams to start countering what they're what they've changed. Um, so that, that could have an impact going forward in general. I agree with the sentiment that they are just going to continue being a top team though. I don't think that that's really, um, a question, uh, specifically for the grand final one to our point with vitality even is that phase or G2 didn't have X Taz on stage with them, which a lot of those like late crumbles that they had in, in these overtime matches and, uh, the comeback Dude, I... that they had, I think that that had a pretty substantial impact in terms yes. of uh, just how mentally uh, stable they were in, in those games uh, that X has would have made a pretty big difference. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's something that we definitely have to keep in mind when we look back on this event as well. I went back and I wanted to look like that Inferno game. I cannot fucking believe G2 lost that Inferno game. Like even even on their CT side, the only like cup like they lost like four rounds or something, and like two of the rounds they lost were Ecos, where they just lost them because they had like one guy just fighting alone in banana, which is just it was just I don't know, just really dumb things to lose to. Um just not playing like as safe as they could. Mm-hmm. Um so just losing B with like one person. Uh, playing against Ecos, and then like these, their Inferno like T side rounds, like there were so many that like they could have easily closed out just with like one kill that just goes their way. But so many times, like they just kept choking all these close rounds. Like for the most part on that T side, they they would have like control like early in their defaults, like they they felt comfortable. And then once it got to like fifteen fifteen, once they lost that last overtime round, like they just they just the game was just completely gone from them. I mean, they would have they would have won Inferno if Rops didn't do that like ace fucking thing yeah. that, i mean that that so yeah. there's yeah. there's there's moments where you have to i mean give credit to people like robs for pulling up pulling shit off like that that was insane um i think he's actually finally properly rated as a player as opposed to over overrated as fuck but uh <laughs> no i think i mean the, yeah that's that's i mean the thing is that g2 did lose those other maps and they weren't they weren't like convincing losses or anything by any means but it it those those are I think the the XTAS point is huge. That's kind of what I was like going to bring this back to the fact that if you have your coach instead of Omenek, like what? The, actually, actually, I, why is Omenek there? Why in the <laughs> hell is Omenek even at the event? Like who flew? Did they fly him out just to just to stand behind them? Like I mean, that was I mean, the weirdest thing ever to me. Honestly. I think he was a registered so. substitute. Okay, yeah, so he was why. just. So he just was at the event, or did they fly him out after they knew the X test? He's probably there as an audience member, at least. Come on, dude. He's just going to hang out. I assume at this point, especially to like big events, a team like G2 would bring a guy that they have like on the bench just with them. A guy like yeah. Dominic. Yeah. Okay. Just with COVID and everything, like 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 we've seen. Like, True. True. It's just at the last second, happens. you could just, yeah, you could just lose a player. Is that so an awkward having someone flight? Like you think he's like up and coach while everybody else is in business? Maybe, maybe <laughs> You're on the gets, bench, buddy. If they have something in his clause for his contract that he gets paid more than his bench bench money for for going, then at least it seems kind yeah, of fair yeah. in some yeah. ways. Um, okay, okay. I have a I have only a few time more minutes. For me to butt in here, or is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. One more, one more point, and then we'll do shoutouts. Okay, you got it. So I'll just say, if you believe that the CIS squads, in particular Navi, are going to continue to be uh, either unable to compete or just underperform for the next little bit, if this is the end of the almost Navi era, with the same way that we got teased with the Liquid era before the major back in 2019, I will say this is probably the beginning of the parody era again, round two mm. or three or however many it's been now. We've got Phase contesting even with stand-ins again. To Snappy's point about the percentages and everybody else this point about strength of rosters without coaches yeah we're probably looking at something where it's like you know they're not going to be top one or two but they'll be in the running for top five for sure they'll they'll be contesting they'll be in deep playoff runs i think that's there's almost no question about that when vitality comes online when g2 find more consistency with monazi and with their actual coach i think we're going to see a lot of teams competing and antwerp will be exciting even if for whatever bizarre reason navi shits the bed completely like we'll still have loads of teams. It won't be as satisfying a story, but there'll be still like this final proof that the, the, the final can go three Oh in a best of five and still be really exciting the whole way through with teams that 
previously we weren't talking about, well, I guess G2 is in the final, but like, you know, we weren't talking about this particular matchup as being super exciting. It broke some viewership records. Allegedly, we don't know what, what's all with that about, but you know, people were paying attention and that's really exciting and good for the scene overall that this, this major is going to deliver basically no matter what, as long as, you know, PGL audio. Huh. Okay. Had to finish off with that. Right. <laughs> let's okay. So let's do, let's do shout outs now. Uh, mix. You're going to be always first forever now because okay, so shout outs are always like I'm that. going a bit different today. My shout out is to Heroic for choking in semis again. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. That's a little toxic. I see. All right. Uh, no, no. What have you got for your shout out? Uh, I didn't have anything pre-prepared here. So shout out Snappy for coming on. It's fun talking. Okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, Snappy. What? Yeah. Uh, any anything you want to shout out? It could be player, a player, website, your Twitter, whatever the hell you. Ooh. What? What do you? Yeah. Shout out twins. All right. That's the main thing. Clean. That's a clean one. Okay. Uh, Pranogo, what's your shout out? Uh, I'll just say shout out uh, Thorin for coming on my show. That's a shill shout out. It's actually if you like this kind of topic where we went through the meta, it's very heavily based on that. So if you want more of this, you got it. And if you don't, see ya. That's my shout out. Okay. Uh, my shout out is a question to note. What is the blue drink you're drinking? Uh, so usually I have coffee in the morning, but I didn't have time before the show started today to make it. Uh, my roommates finished it all. So this time it's uh, this little bit of G Fuel I had left over from like G-Fuel. a year ago. <laughs> G Fuel. <Real laughs> shout gamer. out G Fuel then. Literally no, never out. drink it, but shout out I G Fuel. Just Surely our podcast is sponsored by G Fuel. Everyone Surely is. we should get a G Fuel freaking code, right? Like something's got to come our way. Like, okay. All right. I'll reach out to G Fuel. Actually, no, you should reach out to G Fuel because you're, you're the one drinking their beverage, you know, man. Uh, clearly. So, okay. All right. I do have to go, but thank you, Snappy, so much for coming on. You've been an excellent guest on two shows that I'm in now. So uh, really appreciate that. And uh, no Snappy, problem. best of luck to you in your group. We will probably not discuss that with you, but as a <laughs> team in the, the near future, as a it's server time team, uh, but really appreciated your insight on all of these questions regarding the meta of Counter-Strike. Fantastic episode. And thanks to all the viewers. Thanks to all the people that subbed in chat. And thanks to all the patrons. And I think we can send it off at this point.